0: The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org.
1: Hi, I'm uh, Tim from uh, Stereo Lab, a band, and uh, we're in Ireland, and I think you're going to be listening to Cookie KUCI in Irvine, California. KCI 88.9 up in Irvine. Thanks for listening to Our Digital Future every Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. with me, ZBZ, where we like to talk to librarians and archivists around the world and all sorts of positions. And today I'm very excited to announce our guest is from North Hollywood's Pacifica Radio Archives, the archivist Jolene Beiser.
0: Hi, Ziba.
1: Hello. So glad to meet you at the Society of American Archivists Conference last month in San Diego. It was really great to see another radio person.
0: Yes, definitely. I was uh, was excited to hear that you have a radio program about libraries and archives. I I feel like that's really fun.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, just a little over two years now. It's been um, a journey every week, uh, finding someone from somewhere new and talking about what they do and how they got there. And I'm very interested to hear about the Pacific Radio Archives and what brought you there. How did you get to where you are now as an archivist with your degrees and everything through life, your education and background growing up? What brought you to where you are now?
0: Well, um Actually, uh, archiving is kind of a second career for me. I did um, I did my bachelor's and a first master's degree in psychology and um, worked as a psychologist with develop- developmentally disabled adults um, through my um, 20s and 30s. And then, um, well, not through my 30s, but anyway, I was living in New York at the time, and then my partner and I moved to California, and I had some time to... Um, to take off of work and um, decided to do some soul searching and think about, like, what would I really want to do if I could do anything work-wise? And I've always been a huge music collector and fan and thought, you know, music archiving sounds like about the coolest thing I could ever do. So I looked it up i didn't know anything about it i looked it up and found out you know what archiving was and that you needed to get a degree in library science to become an archivist and um i was in san diego at that time and decided to go to uh to apply to ucla for their um mlis program and saw that they had an archiving specialty and um really got into archives because of my interest in audio and music and um As a student there, found out about all of the different types of archives there are. You know, university archives were very interesting to me. And um, I processed one collection while I was there at UCLA um, having to do with a psychiatrist, like a noted psychiatrist in UCLA. So it kind of brought together my psychology and archives. But but my first job was here at Pacifica Radio Archives. I had a friend from school who... um, have been working here part-time, and then she got a full-time job at the Autry, and she told them I had just I had been away in China for a year, and um, when I came back, I was looking for work, and, um, and they needed somebody right away for a grant project they were starting, and she suggested me, since I had the audio, audio background, and, um, and that's when it started. That was in November 2010, so I've been here ever since.
1: Oh, wow, that's a very great background. So what do you do at Pacifica Radio Archives? Um,
0: Lots of different things. (laughs) Um, I was originally hired for a grant project to do an an inventory of our collection, but the funding for that got cut by like 90%. So we started doing an inventory, and then we had another NEA grant, so I was doing... um, Cataloging of audio recordings. We had gotten them digitized by our um, by a third party vendor, George Blood, and um, we were receiving them and we were doing, um, you know, quality control checks and then recataloging them because the old catalog records weren't weren't up to date and they also had the wrong information, some wrong spelling. So we did that, and then in the last year, I've been working on developing a new. Um, Content management system and website for our collection because um, the one we have is pretty antiquated and it's uh, it's pretty difficult to add content that's that's shareable and Web 2.0 compatible. And so I've been working with a developer um, on a Drupal uh, Drupal based content management system, which means you know, deciding what we want and what content standard we want to use. We've decided to use the PB Core content standard and, um, and you know, giving them all of the information that that entails, all of the fields for all of the records, and then tying our current metadata um, to the new metadata standard as best we can. And, um, you know, and then I'm still working on it. it should be uh, ready by the end of the month but it's been a huge undertaking this last year. We've been working on that. And also we've been working on writing a grant proposal for um, for an NHPRC grant to digitize and, um, and catalog our recordings related to the women's movement from 1963 through 1982. It's a pretty massive collection of 1,600 recordings. And so working with... Um, collaborating with like UC Berkeley and the Internet Archive with different ways of how to share and preserve our records and um, for that grant proposal. So that's been keeping me very busy. So lots of different projects going on all at the same time usually.
1: And is there a website? Is there um, people have access to these
0: online? Uh, yeah, if you go to PacificaRadioArchives.com you will um, You'll find some of our stuff under Preservation Projects. You can find some um, streaming audio there. Um, if you go to search our collection on our website, it's another tab, you can you know do a um, keyword search and find out all of our recordings that we have, but it doesn't necessarily have the stream there, and that's what I'm working on with the new website that will be released at the end of the month um, so that people have more kind of instant Gratification, instant access to find out what's been digitized and um, what they can get a copy of and what could, they can listen to streaming. A lot of our stuff is um, available. The last two grant projects is available streaming at the um, Internet Archive, archive.org, and um, people can go to archive.org backslash details backslash pacifica underscore radio underscore archives and find our stuff there to listen to streaming audio of things we've had digitized recently. Is there a
1: physical building um, like a library or archive people can go into and visit if they're in North Hollywood area?
0: Oh yeah, we are open regular business hours, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. We're in the KPFK building. Um, KPFK is one of the five Pacifica radio stations. We also have KPFA, Berkeley, uh, KPFT, Houston, WBAI, New York, and WPFW, Washington, D.C. Um, but we're located physically, the archives is located physically here in L.A. at the KPFK building, and it is we are on... Um, Coenga Boulevard, uh, right across the 101 from Universal Studios, if anyone's looking uh, for us. But they can call us, too, at 800-735-0230 if they ever want to come visit. And um, we have about, I think we have about 9,000 items digitized. So if people want to come listen to any of those, they can listen to them here in-house. The things on a real tape, there needs to be a real pressing urgent matter for us to digitize it because it's very laborious. We need to bake the tapes and um, you know, it's uh, um, you know, it's the, however long the tape is, it's however long it takes for us to digitize it So, and there's a lot of treatments that have to go into it so we don't just digitize something because somebody asks for it necessarily. We need to kind of work that out with the requester. So, But, mm-hmm. um, but everything that's on CD is available for anyone to come by and listen to.
1: And I'm guessing that's an audio archive, but you also have a print collection? We have, um, yes,
0: we have our folio collection, which is uh, folios are like, program guides that um, were these amazing little magazines that the different radio stations sent out. And they're really cool. Starting from 1949, when we first started broadcasting at KPFA Berkeley, um, it's a listing of all the programs that would happen for the week. If you could imagine, like KUCI, you know, that they, they would know, or for the week, excuse me, for the month, they would know a month ahead of time what programs were going to be broadcasting and who the guests were going to be, you know, they would do their best to kind of give that information to their listeners for them to tune in, you know, for different programs. So it's amazing the work that went into these folios. And um, the Internet Archive has generously digitized um, nearly all of our folios, which is, you um, Right now it's 1,476 items. There's still more to do, but they are so cool because you can really see kind of the evolution of the different movements um, based on the different programs, um, like the different um, activist movements or music movements that were happening since 1949 on the different radio stations because um, you could see which programs were coming up, you know, and, you know, with the women's programming, for example, you could start to see women's programs um Come up in the folios and see kind of how they evolved and how they probably at first there was only one and then suddenly there 's three there 's like a lesbian one there 's a women 's music and there 's a feminism you know and then there 's african american women and there 's latina women and all different you know all these the way these uh, programs and the programming evolved and the folios are really cool, also the advertisements for for ins and for <laughs> music you know, festivals and all kinds of really cool stuff. They're very cool. And those are also available at, if you go to archive.org backslash details, backslash Pacifica, you can see our folio collection. It's a little hard to navigate in archive.org, and we can help. If anyone wants to find something specifically, they can just contact me. I'm at Jolene at PacificaRadioArchives.com, and um, I can help them find folios or whatever they're interested in.
1: Wow! Ever since nineteen forty nine, yeah, and anyone can walk in there and use the archives. Yeah, we could help if
0: somebody has a has a research request or anything. Absolutely, they might want to call first because they, we uh, might take time for us to gather up what they need. But um, but anyone's welcome to walk in. It's we're kind of different from most archives because we are part of the radio station. So. Um, so we 're always open to the public you know it 's a public radio station it 's a listener supported radio station so we 're open to our listeners and um, and the radio broadcasters come up and use our collection all the time they you know if something Something interesting is going on in the news, you know, like the elections. The the Democratic National Convention is going on right now, and so we've had some broadcasters come upstairs. They're mostly downstairs. They come upstairs up here to us, the archives, and say, do you have anything about the Democratic National Convention, you know, that we can listen to? And so we we have, like, shows about the Democratic National Convention in the 70s and the 60s and, and all kinds of interesting stuff. So they come up and they use our stuff and, you know. their programs too so it's it's a really well used collection it's you know most archives i feel like are um pretty much separate from the public (laughs) They kind of like a little isolated entity a little vault somewhere with storing all these riches and ours is a lot more accessible and used all the time people just come in and give tours of the vault all the time of all of our tapes and it's really a amazing treasure
1: Wow, that's really cool. Do you do a lot of editing, audio editing, like to give them snippets for, or you help help them do that, or do you have the software in your archives for the public, or is it just?
0: We maybe? have um we have on staff here uh, an engineer, um an audio engineer. His name is Mark Torres. He actually used to have a show on KC, KUCI, so I have to put that in there. Wow. Um, he. Uh, he does all of the editing, and um, we have a radio program actually that we put out. If you go to fromthevaultradio.org, you can listen to our weekly radio program, and he produces that. So he'll he'll edit things as needed um, for for those radio programs or for um, producers that need help. He usually helps them with that stuff, and um, we also have a. Um, Mark, oh, excuse me, Edgar Torres. He's our he's a, uh, production ooh, coordinator, and he also does the digital transfers. The two of them do most of the in-house digital transfers, and um, and then Mark does most of the editing as necessary.
1: Oh, cool! You should have a show there on uh, libraries.
0: I know. Right? <laughs> I was like, that never even occurred to me when you told me about your show. It's like, what
1: a cool idea! Yeah, there's just so many different. Um, Paths that a librarian and archivist can take. I'm so interested to hear what everyone's doing in the museums or radio stations like yourself. Anywhere, everybody does uh, something different. Public librarians and you know community archivists through the history. I mean, everyone's sort of similar in a way. I'm sure you have a lot of um, maybe community um, oral history recordings from interviews. And oh yeah. The station.
0: Oh yeah, lots. Our, it's funny our um, you know I, I've been when I'm developing our new website I've been looking for other radio archives for you know suggestions on how they handle their collections and and present their collections online but for the most part other radio archives only have what they um, what they've digitize, you know, like digital radio programs. You know, they haven't necessarily... Anyway, they usually start in, you know, the 2000s. They'll have an archive, quote-unquote, but it's really just starting from, like, 2000. And we're one of the few archives that has, you know, all of our recordings starting from the 1950s, you know, and has them all up there. And, um, you know, it's, it is the oldest radio a broadcast radio collection in the United States, and it's really it's really unique from most other radio archives.
1: That's amazing. Do you transfer um, analog to digital in-house?
0: Yeah, Mark Torres and Edgar Toledo both do that in-house. Um, and then for our grant projects, when we have a big. Um, Lot that we're having digitized, like maybe our last grant was with the um, NEA, and I think it was approximately 200 tapes. And those we sent out to George Blood. He does our um, he usually does our grant project digitizations um, because those might require special treatment that we're unable to do in house. So he has, you know, he has really the top of the line equipment there and um, technicians and engineers. So and you store the originals on site? Uh Uh-huh. We have a um, temperature and humidity controlled vault here on site. Uh, We just got a new air conditioner this year. It's really exciting. So now every time you go in there, it's really cold. It's great because last year it was starting to get a little uh, wonky, which is scary. You know, for audio, the the one thing you really want is consistent temperatures and humidity, and, um, and it seemed to have been affected a little bit by the weather but now it's been really beautiful it's consistently freezing cold oh 60 degrees in there um so so it's good
1: yeah yeah i know i have my own um audio cassettes from radio shows i've done here since 2000 they're just they're not stored very well in my personal home archive of audio <laughs> like i think they should be in the vinyl and i think that they're a lot of people, you know, have their own—I would say—audio archive, like physical music library and everything. Uh, how do you recommend for the home, the home archivist?
0: That's funny. I'm definitely one of those people too. Um, I have decided that what's when I um, like beginning in like the early 2000s, I started digitizing my vinyl records because I like the way the vinyl sounds better than. Um, Just a regular, you know, mp3. Um, And so, which is really fun, but incredibly time consuming. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm really glad to be getting paid for it now, which is fun. But um, I decided that my tapes were more fragile than my uh, records. So I've switched now to digitizing my tapes instead of my records. I think uh, vinyl is—if you keep it out of the sun and you keep them vertical—they um, they can hold up for a pretty long time. A lot better than tape because tape can—tape um, has like a substrate on it um, that can flake off or can you know, well, the kind of the mylar tapes that we have here. The um, they flake off during the digitization process. During while they're going around in the um in the machines, the kind the emulsion on the back of the tape flakes off. Now for cassette tapes, that doesn't really happen, but what happens with cassette tapes is they get stretched and so there's warping and stuff in those tapes. So I'm I believe the less you play them, the better, and if you are going to play it, like if I want to play it, then I need to digitize it the first time I play it so that I think it has a better chance of, that will be the best recording I'll get off of it every time I play it. it it's potential for stretching or getting warped gets worse and worse, So, oh, um, yeah. but there's not really a lot you can do to repair that damage as far as I know. I mean, engineers probably can, and um, at post-production they can do a lot of work to it. I don't know that that part of the business, but, you know, I would just say keep them cool. Cool, dark place is the best thing, and play them the least amount possible, and if you really want to play it, digitize it. <laughs> That's my suggestion.
1: Especially if you're going to scratch on them live as a DJ, maybe. That'd <laughs> yeah. be bad.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, records. Yeah, records can, I don't know, records are mass, you know, mass produced, so you can find pretty much a lot of records. You can find them whether, you know, but for me, my big thing is my mixtapes, you know, they're one of a kind that friends made me or I made other friends or I just made for myself. And those are each one of a kind that was like a moment in time. Those were my favorite songs or those were the songs that spoke to this moment. And so to me, those are a lot more you know, important and fragile, and I really want to preserve those. Vinyl is, you know, mass-produced, and I can find find it, you know, a lot easier. It's not something that's really unique.
1: Yeah, and I think comp- compact disc is ancient history now. <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> like a dream of the 90s. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I still buy CDs sometimes at used record stores just because they're so cheap, and I, you know... I like to support used record stores, so, although I don't like that it bulks up my collection even more, my personal collection even more than it already is, but I like to know that I have the album and I don't have to rely on some software and subscription or, you know, I found like when I download things online or, you know, the the way the metadata is on it, it's they become really difficult to find unless you do mm-hmm. a lot of work, you know, to to label it and, catalog, you know, catalog it basically for your own personal collection, whereas if you just buy the CD and you rip it, all the information's there, and so it's easier to find and, and store in all of them.
1: That's very true. With the digital copies, I end up getting, you know, multiple versions of the same song just labeled differently, and it's very confusing, and so how do you back up all your audio that you don't want to lose, like say you transfer your vinyl to, you digitize it, do you have um, backups of backups and hard drives?
0: Yeah, I have a, um, I have a, I just have a desktop computer that I put everything on and then a portable hard drive that I duplicated everything to and then I have stuff on my iPod and, yeah, I just keep making lots of copies. I haven't used the cloud yet for Um. my stuff, I haven't gotten there yet, but um, someday I'll get around to it. And I'm thinking the Pacifica Radio Archives has a lot of backup as well. Yeah, a lot of um, interesting. A lot of our grant, a lot of our stuff. We actually the WAV files are on CD. Um, that is the best we could do given our financial constraints for the last several years. So everything is on CD, and now the last two grants, we've been getting the MP3 and the WAV files, so we're storing those on our servers here in-house. They're on a portable hard driver, and they're uploaded to the Internet Archive, so we have lots of backups of those. But as for the things that we do in-house, we haven't necessarily instituted a a backup plan for those CDs, for ripping them all to um, a server somewhere. So that's part of something I want to get my hands on, um, you know, once I'm done with the website and kind of working on a, a you know, a, what do you call it, like a production, you know, a procedure for how to make backups, digital backups of things.
1: And I want to remind our listeners, we're talking with Jolene Beiser, the archivist of Pacifica Radio Archives in North Hollywood, and you've been in that position for two years now? Just about, yeah. And you're um, an official archivist with a, you know, library information science degree. How did you, um, what other libraries or archives, again, did you say you maybe you interned or volunteered or... Work previously. Yeah,
0: I worked. Um, I worked at the UCLA Department of Special Collections in their uh, Center for Primary Research and Training. I processed a collection of um, the psychiatrist Dr. Lewis Jollyon West, also known as Jolly West. He was a pretty well-known psychiatrist, and he was the department chair at UCLA's Psychiatry Department and. Uh, he was he ran the um, psychiatric hospital there at UCLA. I processed that collection for one year at UCLA, and um, I also did internships at the Norris Medical Library. Um, I was a metadata analyst for a digital um, slide collection there, and I worked at the UCLA Ethnomusicology Archive for one quarter. Um, I did some digital transfers there and created EAD finding aids, and... Um, my third internship, oh, I worked with the um, Social Sciences Data Archive, and I did my uh, thesis research with the Social Sciences Data Archive, so that was another interest of mine as a student was um, de- uh, data archiving and university archives and helping researchers with archiving their research data. So I did a survey project with the Social Science Data Archive interviewing social science faculty on what they're doing with their data. and. Um, their research procedure and how they go about preserving what they do or keeping track of what they do with their data because it's becoming required by granting agencies that they um, have a preservation plan for their data and that they share their data. So that that was very interesting.
1: Yeah, I love academic libraries and everybody that's doing their research, and it's just a really great environment.
0: Oh, yeah, it was great, and it's so cool to learn about all the different research going on at UCLA by the social sciences. It was incredible, like, because mostly we don't really get exposure to that, and it was really impressive, so it was fun.
1: That's nice, and did you ever think of uh, being a music librarian? Yes.
0: I have thought about that. <laughs> definitely, um, I didn't ever work in a music library, but I um, I am familiar with them. But yeah, definitely, definitely, it's an interest of mine.
1: Yeah, but you're here at the Pacifica um, Radio Archives in North Hollywood, and that's like a dream job for anyone, <laughs> even on in a radio station. So yeah, I hope to. Hear you on the radio more often. You maybe uh, you do. You, are you guests on um, radio shows on KPFK.
0: Um, I've done some pre-recorded uh, like introductions to our radio program on fromthevaultradio.org, um, and done some what's that called? You know, between like uh, identifications, things like that. So yeah, I'm one of the few female voices here at the archives. So they use me for some of the female. <laughs> oriented programming um but yeah yeah it's it's still uh uh it's not i haven't done a lot of radio before
1: well, that's great to have you on. Uh, Jolene Beiser here today on Our Digital Future, KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You're the archivist at Pacifica Radio Archives in North Hollywood. and It's very interesting to learn all that you do there with the audio archives digitally. And everyone can check out um, your your website again is?
0: It's PacificaRadioArchives.com.
1: Oh, great. And they can um, email you if they have further um, questions and
0: Yeah, I'm at Jolene at PacificaRadioArchives.com.
1: That's exciting, and we'll look forward to more news from the archives. And that's a good um, radio show you guys are talking about. What's it called? From the Archive Vault? From
0: the Vault Radio, yeah. From Fromthevaultradio.org.
1: Well, I'll definitely be checking that out, and I thank you for your time here on... KUCI, thanks for calling in, Jolene. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. You're welcome. Have a good day. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, thanks for listening to Our Digital Future every Thursday, 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. with me, ZBZ. Today's guest was Jolene Beiser from the Archivist of Pacifica Radio Archives, North Hollywood. Stay tuned next week, and now listen up for more great Public Affairs Programming.